Welcome along. A place in the World Cup final is the prize on offer tonight. Will the defending champions France end Morocco's remarkable run? Elon Messi and Argentina await in Sunday's final. Orsic, Lovren, he's going to have a go with the left boot. Oh, it wasn't too far away. That was some effort from a dejected look at Dejan Lovren. It was over the top. And now the celebrations can begin properly. Argentina have claimed their place in another World Cup final. We'll be reviewing last night's semi-final and, of course, previewing tonight's semi-final in detail. Michael Corcoran will be joining us to discuss all things rugby, including, of course, the suspended sentence imposed on Bernard Laporte. And who is Ireland's most admired athlete in 2022? We'll have all the details from a comprehensive New survey, you can email gameon at rte.ie or text 51552. Game on on 2FM. I'm Dave Kelly. I'm joined in studio by Conan Byrne and uh, Keith Tracy. Evening, gentlemen. Obviously, uh, plenty to get through. Conan will, uh, first of all, a brief word on the uh, the semi final last night. In the end, uh, comprehensive enough uh, win for Argentina. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think just Croatia ran out of steam. I think they rely too heavily on their creativity and technical brilliance to get them through games. Um, but at the there's no ruthlessness in their attack. So um, yeah, that was what that that's what I felt from from the Croatia game. Um, I thought Argentina were were really really good. Um, once they got the penalty, they took complete control over the game. Um, Lionel Messi obviously got his 10th Man of the Match award um, over the course of his, his appearances at World Cups a record, a record but at the same time he was anonymous probably for the first 20-25 minutes up until the goal and then just those game changing moments that players like Messi can Messi can bring to a game he scores the penalty and then a moment of absolute stunning brilliance in the second half with his with his assist for Julio Alvarez who I feel sorry for because he scores two sets up a th- sets up another one and yet we're not going to be talking about him much yeah let's uh, reflect on that uh, win last night as you said uh, Messi uh, playing a star role yet again uh, the uh, the action uh, described by Darren Maloney so here is Messi against Lubakovic for the lead in the World Cup semi-final Messi scores Many people that goal, as uh, described there by Darren Maloney, it's uh, as you said, Alvarez is almost the forgotten man in that goal. But uh, you know, Messi played such a key role in setting it up, and perhaps the the moment of the tournament so far. Yeah, it's one that we uh, we we we've come to expect from Lionel Messi. It's just 
the way he slows down Guardiola twice because he, he's so intelligent that usually back in the day when he goes past Guardiola the first time there's no chance you're going to get back at him but he realises now he hasn't got the legs to stay away from Guardiola he comes back for the second bite of the cherry and manipulates the ball away from him again and just as it looks like he's about to relax and recycle the ball he drops the shoulder gets to the byline and then he's cool enough just to pick out Alvarez who, who sweeps at home it, it really was great wing play it was vintage Messi just stopping the defender getting him going again manipulating the ball was really good but I agree with Conan I think Croatia have been excellent they can be really proud of themselves that the midfield of Kovacic, Brozovic and Modric they control the game control possession but just lacking a little bit of stardust up front for somebody to hit the back of the net in, in these really really tight games and I think they two shots on target in the 90 minutes which is not really good enough so just just undone really at the, in the final third but big props to Croatia really really good and only undone by what could be the, the, the winners in the end Conan the lads mentioned it on the panel last night after the game I know Virgil van Dijk alluded to it as well the amount of time during the game that Lionel Messi seems to spend walking around and at a fairly leisurely pace but uh you know, when he is needed, uh, he, he delivers. And as the lad said last night, if you're going to uh, excuse any player uh, doing that, it's messy. Yeah, and like, as I said, for the first 20, 25 minutes, he didn't, I don't know if he'd even touch the ball. Um, but he comes alive when the ball comes near him. And as Keith mentioned there, just the way he, he uses the ball, his, his, his game intelligence is just absolutely unbelievable and like he's played every minute of the of Argentina Argentina's World Cup campaign um he in like in the, in Argentina's last 10 games he has scored 15 goals and assisted six of them so he's directly involved in 68% of Argentina's goals over the last 15 games or last 10 games and that's even that stat alone he, for all Scaloni the manager of Argentina he'd stand at the corner flag if, if for the for the 90 minutes if that's what you're going to come up with when when the ball comes near you and with Messi he's just he's just incredible really really is but I know people are talking about compare the, the comparison between himself and Diego Maradona of 19, 1986 World Cup and obviously Diego and Argentina went on to win that and will Messi be that's where the comparison's coming from isn't it Dave where is it a case where it's going to be the one man show of Messi winning the World Cup but again I think it's a little bit disrespectful to the rest of the Argentina mm -hmm. team yeah, I mean, very much so. And the Argentina team in 86, it's it's quite disrespectful, I suppose, in a way to suggest Absolutely. it was just a one-man team. But obviously, in 86, Maradona played such a pivotal role and Messi is doing it in 2022. Absolutely, yeah. But I, I, like, you should be looking at the other players around that team. Like They obviously kept a clean sheet yesterday. I thought Adam, Adam Endy has, had, has been excellent in the tournament alongside Christian Romero. Christian Romero got taken off... Um, 2-0 up against the Netherlands in the quarterfinals and look what happened Netherlands fought back got back to 2 all, and probably if they were a bit more direct and uh, confident they could have went on and won the game an extra time um, Enzo Fernandez at 21 he's he's been absolutely superb he's, he's not used to losing games um, he's only played in one defeat in, the la in his last 26 and that was in the Saudi Arabia game when he only came on as a, a second half substitute um, McAllister, the Brighton midfielder, he's been really, really good. And interesting enough, like Graham Potter was the one that that shifted his position. He was kind of more of an attacking midfielder at ten, and Potter kind of looked at him and said, "Look, I think you're better off sitting deep and driving into the box." And um, he he wasn't happy about it at the time. McAllister, he was like, "No, I don't. I, I prefer to play up further up the pitch." But look, he's star starring for Argentina yeah. in central midfield now alongside Fernandez um, and Rodrigo de Paul, who's has that c combat of energy and um, ruthlessness. In that that is needed in that midfield. So, um, 
although Messi is creating and scoring all the chances I think it's very important to see the other star players in that Argentina team Keith have we seen a, a different side to Messi in this tournament in terms of his captaincy I've just uh, noticed he seems to be a lot more vocal than he was before and even just some of the things we saw at the uh, the Dutch game when he went over um, you know in front of Van Hal celebrating the goal and I'm not saying that's necessarily a positive thing but there does seem to be uh, a bit more edge to him perhaps yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a bit more of an edge. I think there's there's a realism that this is probably more than likely his last World Cup. And yeah, he actually confirmed today that yeah, so this game, is definitely yeah. going to be his last World Cup. So look, I, I think he just knows he needs to win it. I think the weight of the world is on him. I'm seeing stuff on YouTube, left, right, and centre of, of reporters even after the interview is finished, telling them how much it means to them that their kids are crying back in Buenos Aires. Actually, you probably got that as a player a lot, did you? <laughs> well, no, no, not to the degree that Messi got, not so, not whatsoever. But he just. <laughs> seems to have the weight, of the, the weight of the world or definitely the weight of Argentina on his shoulders but he just makes it look so effortless and I, I remember going to see Barcelona against Getafe years and years ago Messi was playing and I, I was there with Burnley and Sean Dyche was sitting next to me and he looked at me and said look at what Messi does and literally the ball was two yards away from him and he had no interest in going to get it he just went, walked into a position that he wanted to be in and the rest of the Barcelona team there were superstars in there but they were willing to let him take that little bit of time off it a little bit of a luxury, a luxury player if you like but when the chips are down he produces so you'll do all the running in the world from if he's going to produce and he has been producing he's at his age now he keeps coming up with the goods We're not going to get into the debate about you know who is the greatest of all time and, and whatnot because that's probably for another day and everybody has got their own favourites but just in terms of comparing Messi with Argentina now to the Portugal World Cup campaign and a lot was made that uh, Ronaldo could almost be uh, inhibiting Portugal at times and that the, everything needed to go through Ronaldo and some of the players perhaps felt that, you know, having him in the team was, was just quite quite intimidating, quite daunting. Clearly, that's not the, the case with Argentina and Messi. No, I actually mentioned it last, on last week's show about how the shackles were off some of those Portugal players when, Portuguese players when they played Switzerland. It was the fact that when Ronaldo wasn't playing, the likes of Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, they weren't just focusing on trying to get the ball to Ronaldo. It was like they were trying to play around the, the, the Swiss defence and Ramos was able to, to suck it all up and, and, and nip in with a, with a, with a fine hat-trick at 21 years of age. So, yeah, like with Messi... It's all about the team. With Ronaldo, it's all about Ronaldo. And I think that's the difference between su- a success. And you could say, yeah, Portugal won the Euros under when Ronaldo was there. I think that's probably the individual thinking as well with Ronaldo and Messi, whereas Messi will look at the side and think, like, what's best for the team? And the Argentinian, you see them being interviewed, they're saying, we want to prove that Messi's the best. They're all behind him, whereas Ronaldo seems to be with Portugal saying, give me the ball, I'll make things happen. But he seems to have come to the end whereas Messi he's still being propped up by his team and saying we still think you're the best whereas I think there's very very contrasting uh, fortunes there for the two of them but Messi yes still on a different level now yeah, you sure me. saw when the, when the lads met up for the, the Portugal players met up for the World Cup the interactions between Ronaldo yeah. and some of those players wasn't great on the eve of a, of a World Cup tournament whereas Messi and his players That was on the back of the interview of course he gave regarding his future at Manchester United and Fernandez, of course it, it seems quite cold didn't it? Now he subsequently said that it, that wasn't the case and it was something else but it, you're right the body language did not look good Yeah of course and you want uh, like in the I'm um, going into a World Cup competition you want everyone to be in, in flying form with each other and good camar- camaraderie and um, that wasn't the case with Ronaldo and his teammates and as I said the shackles were off when they played in the Swiss game and it was just a complete team um, performance by Portugal um, they obviously couldn't replicate that in the quarterfinals against Morocco um, 
but it, in the Swiss game it certainly was that the shackles were off. And obviously so much of the attention has been on Messi and I suppose rightly so but the manager you touched on the manager he has to take a huge amount of credit the Argentina manager. Yeah I think so I think you know I've, I've, I heard him getting interviewed after the game and he's saying he wants to prove that Messi is the best of all time and so do the rest of the squad so if you're sitting there and he, he was talking about getting Messi into training and what a privilege is to train somebody like that and if you have somebody who, who seems to be so humble from the outset but have that amount of talent and look, I, I think it's just a match made in heaven. I didn't fancy them, I have to be honest. When Saudi Arabia bet them in the first game of the group stage, I, I pretty much wrote them off. I didn't think they were a team. I thought Otamendi, Romero at the back to centre-halves, they weren't good enough for me. They didn't win you a, a World Cup, but they just seemed to be galvanised after that, got really, really together. And that t- that is obviously big props to the manager for that. And Messi's just the, the talisman and if you keep him quiet Julian Alvarez seems to be able to hit the back of the net on, on, on a regular occurrence as well and what Conan said about Otamendi is, is spot on I, I didn't fancy him I don't fancy him but I think this World Cup he's actually stood out to be quite quite actually uh, decent and of course he is quite an inexperienced manager but he had the success winning the Copa America with Argentina they came into the tournament on the back of a really long unbeaten run but then as Keith says there was that uh, very very disappointing results uh, losing to Saudi Arabia and that was I suppose a, a test then of his mantle yeah but uh, you have to go back to the performances pre-tournament and, and of course it could have it could have buckled Argentina um, but with the experienced players within that squad it, because he is an inexperienced manager I think he's one of the youngest if not the youngest manager that was in the World Cup um, and to come back from that so effectively um, he changed changed from he changed around the team in the Mexico game um, and then brought got a couple of more changes then for the Poland game so it was really good man management from him he's obviously kept Messi in the team obviously the talisman um, and that's what he needed to do but Scaloni is is, is proven to be a very very shrewd operator um, in the dugout for Argentina and he'll be a, a hero for Forever in that in, in in his homeland if he comes back with the with the World Cup trophy was that not a huge gamble keeping Messi on the pitch last night after they went three 0 up? No, I, I don't think so. I think in, you know you would look at it in hindsight and think maybe I, I could have took him off, but there's been so many games that you thought the game's over and done with. So if you'd have took him off and then they'd have got one back and then you know for want of a better phrase it's squeaky bum time. So you want your best players on the pitch at all times. So look, I'm sure you'll get some more and more now and relax until Sunday till the final. So. Messi wouldn't miss this for the world you can tell by the way he speaks that he, he's bang up for it. he said straight after he feels great he can go into every game and look if Argentina were to win it wouldn't it be great if he, if he really tried to keep himself fit and he went again for another four years time because he doesn't seem to you know I, I know he, he conserves his energy but he's done that his whole career really he, he's, a, he's an offensive player he's a luxury player but the longer we can keep him out there the better because he, he's just such a joy to watch Yes, Daniel Passarella in 1978 Diego Maradona in 1986 the two previous Argentinian captains to have uh, lifted the World Cup and uh, as we say uh, Diego uh, Maradona in 86 was uh, so so synonymous with that tournament but now uh, Lionel Messi has the chance to uh, emulate him on Sunday just finally on, on, on the semi-final and, and we, we touched on him again uh, Conan um, Alvarez obviously saying second fiddle perhaps to uh, Haaland at Manchester City still a very young player but again has really enhanced his uh, reputation at this tournament absolutely such a young player coming over from River Plate I think he scored 40 goals in two seasons there and obviously Guardiola saw the potential that was in him brought him to Manchester City Um 
and obviously hasn't probably got the game time that he wanted but probably understands why with the with the form of, of Erling Haaland um, but Argentina he's he's doing really really well he's got 18 caps 7 goals obviously 4 in this tournament and um, his goals will give him so much confidence now going into this World Cup final like this, his, his, his first goal yesterday there was a lot of luck involved in it where he, but the run that he made was really really good he didn't he was very direct he could have just held the ball up and brought other people into play um, look for Messi but um, he went himself and look you need that bit of good fortune and I was fortunate enough to score a few goals like that in my career <laughs> and um, yeah it was it was a, a really good finish in the end and then his second one was obviously all about Messi but you have to be there in the six yard box to, to put them away and he's there and as, as, as Keith says he's, he's he could really do really well in this cup final Yes so Argentina into Sunday's World Cup final they will find out their opponents tonight France or Morocco will be discussing the second semi-final later in the programme Game on on 2FM now, Ireland's most admired athletes in 2022 are Katie Taylor, Rachel Blackmore, Johnny Saxton and Kelly Harrington. The series win over New Zealand has been voted the year's greatest Irish sporting achievement. And these findings follow a comprehensive 1,000-person national survey carried out by Taneo's sports advisory team. And uh, significantly, this survey is not restricted to sports fans alone. It's more so the overall general public. Now, now joined by Stephen Bradshaw of uh, Taneo to uh, have a look at some of these findings. Good evening to you, Stephen. Good evening. How are you? Good, good. So uh, let's start with the uh, most admired athlete. Uh, Katie Taylor has uh, sort of dominated this in recent years and once again she comes out on top. She does, yeah. Listen, over the last six years, Katie has been top of the charts. I think what's interesting is that to stay top of the charts and drive that high performance is really cutting through with the general public and she has been um, voted number one again um, for her performances this year against Amanda Serrano and uh, Karen Carvajal when she, she won and re- retained her, her titles I don't think there's any sign of Katie fading especially if we look to 2023 and the, the talk of a, a fight in Crow Park um, we, we we may be seeing Katie top of the charts again uh, this time next year, but fantastic consistency. And in terms of the greatest uh, Irish sporting achievement of the year, uh, I suppose, again, probably not really a surprise in terms of that rugby win, series win for Ireland in New Zealand. Yeah, a super win for Ireland in New Zealand. It was the first time ever an Irish team went down to New Zealand and not only won down there for the first time, but also won the series, which was magnificent. Again, Ireland series victory is top of the charts there. But I think it's what's, what is good to see is that because this is an, uh, a nationally representative uh, survey, uh, the Irish team and their performance and the consistent performance, they're now ranked number one in the world. Um, it's really, really cutting through to the general public. So, as we said, they're fantastic achievement for the Irish rugby team, but they weren't uh, top of the pile when it came to the Team of the Year survey. No, and top of the pile this year for the first time are the Republic of Ireland's uh, women's football team for their success in qualifying for the World Cup. I really think this is um, showcasing that last year when women dominated the, the research it goes to show that they're continuing to do so and th- their performances in sports themselves are topping the charts across the board. They ran away with 26% of the, the overall survey. 
followed closely by the Irish men's rugby team. But it, it is but it is brilliant to see that not only have they they topped the charts, but they're it's also obviously the sport that everybody is are there's the tournament that people are looking forward to next year as well. It became it came in fifth in the overall um, sporting tournament and sporting event that people are looking forward to for 2023. So I can see the the nation getting behind the the, the team uh, greatly, and I think the work that Vera Pau has done there um, has showcased um, the. Uh, has showcased a, a great uh, respect that's that's come through, and uh, the general public appreciate that. And what did the survey tell us regarding Ireland's favourite sports? This is quite interesting. Uh, when it comes to favourite sports, there's no surprise here that the big three, soccer, rugby, and Gaelic games, would dominate um, and be the three sports that do dominate. They've, they've changed role over the last number of years. Oh, we, we've been uh, conducting the survey for over 13 years now. And last year, uh, Gaelic games and soccer tied uh, for number one spot. But this year, Gaelic games has, has led the way. Uh, followed by soccer at 17% and rugby at 13%. But what's interesting here, though, is that when we actually deep dive into the survey and we look at the sports that we like, it becomes quite apparent that how deep and wide the appetite uh, of the general public is for, for other sports. For example, yes, the top three sports are on the list, but outside of that, we have tennis coming in at 21%, golf at 19%, horse racing at 16% with cycling and then followed by boxing and motorsports. And this is where we can see that the appetite for sport and a varied level number of sports is quite apparent within the, the Irish public. And just to expand a little bit on what I mentioned earlier in, in terms of this survey, it's not just sports fans. This is a, a, a general snapshot of the, the, the Irish general public. That's correct, yeah. So we, we, we survey each year a thousand people to get a full national representation. And it's a survey that imposes quotas as well across gender, region, our age, our socio backgrounds and our class. And then it's, it's, it's carried out. We carried it out this year in November. Uh, but it examines the Irish public's attitudes towards sport and their sporting heroes. What's, what's great to see is the sports that are cutting through. So it's not just um, it's, it's not sports fans that we, we target. We target a general uh, public uh, audience and therefore we see the real cut-through of these sports and these teams. Do you think the results would be significantly different if it was targeted at just sports fans? Uh, listen, I, I don't know if they'd be significantly different. I, I do think when we look at a national representation, we look at the national teams and those who are driving high performance and all, obviously those athletes that are driving high performance are the ones that would cut through. So I don't, I don't think that there would be a massive change, uh, but I, I, do, I do think that we may, when it comes to the, the, uh, the, the, the sports that don't make the, the top 10, there may be an adjustment in some of those figures, but I would still see the top three sports coming through and, 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 and shining strongly. And this is probably a difficult question to answer, but when it comes to the most admired athletes, how much do you think it's about the actual achievement and how much is it about the likability of the individual? Listen, it goes without saying that they, they come hand in hand, I would think. Um, with, with, with Katie at top of the list, the 21%, it's quite um, apparent that not only her high performance across the years, 
um, has remained so consistent. I think when you when you are consistently winning and showcasing um, high performance, that cuts through to the general public. But we look at Rachel Blackmore, who's come in second uh, with at seven percent, and then Kelly Harrington at six six percent. Now sharing that six percent with Johnny Sexton, um, but having three three uh, female athletes uh, at the top of the charts is is quite uh, quite interesting. We look then. When we go down the charts, we see that Shane Lowry is still there at 5%, Paul O'Donovan, Rory McIlroy, and then Ellen Keane. So there's quite a diverse group of characters and athletes um, filling those top spots. And when we're talking about the favourite sports, just to go back to that for a moment, Gaelic yeah. Games is 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 uh, bundled together in terms of football and hurling, not regarded as separate sports when it comes to this survey. That's correct. Yeah, we, we we bring them all together because at the at the end of the day, we're looking at the national representation. So obviously, these players play for the counties. So some counties are are are, are performing better than others. But we we look at the games in total. So we we take the full the full uh, amount of interest across all four four codes. In terms of the year ahead, twenty twenty three, obviously twenty twenty two drawing to a close. What are the events people are most looking forward to next year? Yeah, this is this is great. So we look at the year ahead. Um, 2023 Rugby World Cup uh, sits at the top at 18 percent of all adults saying that this is the most this is the sporting event that they're most looking forward to. The GA All Ireland uh, Senior Football Championship comes in with 12 percent of the vote, and that's followed by the Six Nations Championship and the GA All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship tied in third with 11 percent. And to finish off, then we have the FIFA Women's World Cup taking place in Australia. That rounds off our top five, and that's brought in at, at, at 10%. And when you look back at uh, previous surveys, is, is, it, is it generally the same in 2022 in terms of uh, the overall picture? Is it, is it, there's not too much difference say, in the last couple of years? It's, it's pretty much similar? Well, I, I suppose last year was a, was, a, was a pivotal year last year when we saw... Um, the number of women teams and athletes uh, topping the charts. As I said, with the most admired from last year, we had Kelly and Katie uh, at joint top. Um, but we're seeing, obviously, that that is consistent. And when we look at sport in general, when we remove the, the word women and we just look at sport and the high performance and the performance levels, we're seeing that as a, as a, in general, um, the overall performance in sport from Irish teams and athletes has captured uh, the mindset and the uh, captured the hearts of, of our general public. We, we, we are able to look at these trends and we, we did suggest last year that the women's, women's sport was going to really take over and we can see that coming through. And I suppose when you think of where Ireland are in terms of world rugby at the moment and obviously the huge amount of optimism going into a World Cup year, it's perhaps a, no surprise to see the, the World Cup ranked so highly. Yeah, no surprise at all. And I think when we, when we look at the, the, the survey as well, we, the World Cup is ranked as the, the, the event that everybody is looking forward to most. But when we talk about the most memorable moments, the, the Irish I think the, the the success of the Irish rugby team this year, celebrating the third Test win over the All Blacks, um, that was top of the charts. But we let's look at other sports as well, because in in terms of the most sporting moments, like in gymnastics, Reese McLennigan's uh, pommel horse performance in the World Championship 
final to win gold and Ireland's first ever world gymnastics gold medal got in 7% of the most memorable moments or most memorable sporting moments. It goes back to the to the uh, point I made earlier about the general public's appetite for sports. Yes, we're, we will see our top three uh, paving the way, but there's there's big appetite for other sports, which is very, very positive and very optimistic for the future for, for Irish sport in general. Well, Stephen, it's always uh, good to sort of look back on the sporting year and to see what uh, caught people's attention. And uh, let's hope there's plenty more of uh, Irish success stories to look forward to next year. Thank you for taking the call. Thanks for having me. Game on. Rugby. Uh, World Rugby convened an emergency meeting last night after Vice Chairman Bernard Laporte suspended himself as Vice Chairman. A French court handed Laporte a two-year suspended prison sentence and a fine of €75,000 after he was found guilty of corruption charges. One charge relates to a Jersey sponsorship contract worth €1.5 million. I'm joined by RTE rugby commentator Michael Corkin. Michael, were you surprised when this news broke? Um, no, given given the fact of the, the you know the case that was built against him over the last number of years, and it it um, it really centres on his relationship with um, uh, Michel Altrad, who is the uh, the owner and president of uh, Montpellier, um, and you know they've they've had some uh, some questionable business dealings over the last number of years. Um, and some of them have uh, come to light now. I should say that uh, you know the, the 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 situation here is in relation to um, uh, internal French rugby, as distinct from international French rugby. Now it's kind of the the the, the waters are muddied by the fact that he's the vice uh, president um, of um, of um, world rugby as well. So that's uh, that's one of the so our vice chairman rather of world rugby as well. Nothing so that's to do with uh, France being awarded the world. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It isn't. But like he's been investigated for his relationship with Altrad internally within France to do with uh, sponsorship and to do with signing up to uh, take part in events that were sponsored by. Altrad's construction company um, he didn't appear at the events but he still got paid for it so it's like they take they take financial the whole financial thing and financial irregularity uh, very very seriously in, in, in French rugby I mean you can't start a season without having a, a, effectively a tax clearance cert um, you know from the authorities to say that you've paid all the, the money that you're expected to pay last year in terms of uh, tax and everything to do with all of your employees and if you don't have that I mean clubs have been relegated on two divisions because uh, their affairs weren't in order, so their financial watchdog is absolutely absolutely huge. So it doesn't come it doesn't come as a surprise that a, it's been investigated, and it doesn't come as a surprise that he's been found guilty. But um, he's he's guilty by association now because, as I said, he's the vice chairman rather than vice president of, um, of of World Rugby, and this comes you know effectively uh, what is it nine or ten months away from the Rugby World Cup, and he was the person who was pretty central to um, France's bid to win. Um, the right to host Rugby World Cup so um, obviously question marks are going to be asked I, I would say or, or you know I mean the whole thing has been investigated by the integrity squad of World Rugby anyway so let's let's see what's going to happen out of that Obviously the, the problems football has had with FIFA in terms of governance have been well documented and as you say heading into a World Cup year it's a it's a pretty bad look for the game of rugby It's not a, it's not a good look at all really um, that's the reality about it Um 
And I, I mean everything that everything everything associated with it needs to be um, investigated to the to the very you know last cent basically, um, and let's see what's going to happen. So the, like, I would imagine once the integrity squad or the integrity unit get their claws into you, um, you know, let's see what happens here. But he's, he's stood aside on on his own um, on his own volition basically. You know, World Rugby didn't need to act. So uh, let's see let's see how that uh, case unfolds over the coming months. But it certainly isn't it isn't a good look. And the situation is that um, Altrad is already the jersey sponsor for uh, the All Blacks. Um, and um, they're looking for they're looking for answers to a lot a long list of questions that they have also. So that's it's gonna it's gonna come under more intense scrutiny. Much closer to home, some significant news today coming out of Munster in terms of contracts. Yeah, um, um, three players with extended um, contracts, including Jack Crowley, which is very welcome news. Um, I would always say the 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 benchmark for whether a player is good or has a future or is bad. Uh, I will always hold the judgment of Ron Nagara uh, in high esteem. And um, a couple of years ago, before J- when Jack Crowley was in the the Monster Academy, before he was offered um, a senior contract, Ron Nagara wanted to bring him to La Rochelle and and be integrated into their senior squad there, basically. So. Um, I kind of I had seen him play on the twenty level. Um, he's from Inishannon. He's a really, really good player. Um, and the situation is that um, you know they've extended his contract now for a further two years, along with um, Andrew Conway, is one of the other players. He's currently out injured, and has been out for a while. So. Uh, they've got contract extensions. The one that disappoints uh, disappoints me, I have to say, to be fair, is this whole situation regarding John Ryan, who was uh, let go and went off to Wasps. Got a big offer from them, but obviously Wasps have gone into administration. They're gone, um, and he's come back to Munster on a three-month contract, which runs until um, I think it's the middle of middle of January. Um, so the situation is that um, my understanding is that Munster wanted to extend that until the end of the season. Whether there was a serious effort on on somebody's behalf in terms of trying to negotiate um, a serious offer, I'm not entirely sure because John John's head was turned by clubs in England and indeed clubs overseas, and um, you know he's he's he he bought a house in Limerick a couple of years ago in the Castle Troy area. Um, his family will have another new addition um, sometime in February or March, so he's got to do what's best for him really to be fair about it. And he's got a very serious offer from the Chiefs to go and play Super Rugby, and it's just a fantastic lifestyle choice for him. Not sure he wanted to end up uh, sort of uproot his family and go to the other part of the world to go to Hamilton, New Zealand. It's a lovely place. It's a rural setting. If he doesn't mind me saying so, he's a rural fellow himself, so I think he'll settle in there quite well, really. And it's a fantastic opportunity for him, but I think it's an opportunity missed from a Munster point of view. What did you make of Warren Gatlin's comments regarding Andy Farrell being the uh, Lions coach in 2025, is it? Uh, yeah, well, you see, the thing is that Gatty has done it for a long period of time, and he's always a great fellow for um, throwing a pebble into the water to see where the ripples kind of uh, go. Uh, so I, um, that's the one thing about the radio. You can never see tongue in cheek, really. And I'd like to, ha- I'd but like surely to see. He must be a leading contender. He, he is a leading contender, but like the, I mean, the Lions tour is two and a bit years away. You know, I mean, they're not going to be appointing Lions coach for another year and a half. And a huge amount can happen between a now huge and amount. Then. And the thing is, like that, you know, when when Gatty came back to to um, rescue Wales, which is which is the way it's being portrayed. He'll be licking his lips at the thought of Ireland coming to the Principality Stadium in Cardiff for the opening game of the Six Nations Championship. Uh, he's already been talking up the fact that Ireland are number one um, in uh, number one ranked team in the world, 
and then he was talking up the fact that uh, the coach of the number one ranked team in the world Andy Farrell is is the only person in the frame for the British and Irish Lions thing so the whole kind of Gatti is brilliant at mind games you know and it doesn't come as a surprise so if, he, if he's trying to wind people up at this stage um, I mean the, the Lions are miles away from making any judgement call at all on who um, their next coach uh, the next coach should be I, I personally don't think it should be Warren Gatland I have to say because he's done it uh, you know on quite, quite, a, quite a number of occasions now and I just think they need they need um, a, a fresh voice yes I do believe that that fresh voice is uh, at the moment is Andy Farrell but we're miles away from, do you think uh, Andy Farrell himself will take any notice of what Gatland has not said? Not at all. It's water off a duck's back. I mean, this fellow's from the north of England. You know, he doesn't uh, doesn't suffer fools gladly, to be fair about it. And we'll just concentrate on his job. And his job is to, right now, is for um, is for Ireland to beat Wales in the opening game of the Six Nations. The knock-on effect is to try and win the Six Nations. And then to see how Ireland get on at the Rugby World Cup. So, like I said, a, a lot to happen between now and then. It's like uh, you always hear, you know, Premier League managers when they're linked with another job saying, well, they obviously are doing something right if they are being linked with uh, top-profile yeah. jobs, which clearly Andy Farrell is. Just in terms of uh, heading into the, the winter, uh, schedule of games now and a very busy time for yourself. And... Uh, on Friday night you're at Leinster is it? I'm in the fridge as I call it as I said to somebody earlier and they said where's that I said I believe it's going to be the RDS because it's uh supposed to be minus 11 tonight um, so you have to keep watching these things uh, yeah I'm at Leinster um, uh, Leinster Gloucester and it's at 8 o'clock which is an even later kickoff. <laughs> uh, so the thermals will be out um, but yeah, I mean, Leinster are flying, you know, they're flying at the moment. They had a fantastic win against La Rochelle in uh, in France last weekend. I think that, to a degree, caught, uh, are against um, Racing 92, rather, um, La Rochelle on the brain here, uh, against uh, Racing in La Havre last weekend. Um, fantastic win for them there. I think they caught Racing on the hop, to be fair about it, um, because the game was moved out of Paris. Um, and it was like an away game for the Parisian team as well, too. But Leinster are flying. Gloucester... We're under a bit of pressure in their game against uh, Bordeaux. Uh, went behind very early on and came back with a, a late try very, very late in the game for the win it. Uh, but they'll, they're coming up against a team who have been in the top, you know, two, three, four, certainly the top two teams in, in Europe for a long, a long period of time. So they'll, uh, it's going to be a tough night for uh, Gloucester and you would expect that Lens will continue what's been a fantastic start to the season for them. It could be one of two uh, Heineken Champions Cup games this weekend. Could very well be, yeah. At the RDS Ulster perhaps um, having to switch yeah uh, against La Rochelle so the live La Rochelle on the brain here um, the the, the position um, is that uh, you know the pitch is uh, the pitch is, is not in good nick at the moment up in, up in Belfast um, so it's, they've got a cover they're bringing in heaters uh, my concern would be that if the pitch is frozen, I don't know if it is or not. I haven't seen it, but if it freezes on top of freezing, well, that's that's you know that's that's bad news. But also trying to do something to prevent that happening, I would say they'll be desperate for the game to go ahead at um, at um, Kingspan Stadium on on Saturday. But um, if the if the forecast is to be believed for the next while, particularly up that part of the country. Um, you know, frost on top of frost or snow on top of frost is is never good for for pitch conditions, and uh, they would prefer to play the game at home. Uh, they're under enough pressures it is, you know, having lost the last two games and losing last weekend quite comprehensively too. So I think they'd want to. They need the home comforts and to run, run out in front of their home fans, you know, at a pretty boisterous Kingspan Stadium. Okay, well, uh, wrap up well on Friday. We need you for all those commentaries over Christmas. Yeah, we'll thanks, 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 Dave. You're you're very <laughs> good to see your concern. <laughs> okay, let's switch our attention back to the uh, second of the World Cup uh, semi-finals. Um, 
Around about uh, 14 minutes to go now until uh, France and Morocco meet for the right to play Argentina on Sunday. Keith, I suppose Morocco clearly have been one of the success stories of this tournament regardless of what happens tonight but the uh, conventional wisdom seems to be that the, the campaign is going to end tonight. Yeah, it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to back against the French, isn't it? Um, the, the, I've just looked at a stat there, and the French have failed to keep a clean sheet in the last eleven internationals. So, if Morocco can get their noses in front, you know, I would back them because the defensive record is excellent. They they very very rarely concede goals. They've only conceded one in the tournament so far, and that was an OG against Canada. So look, I, I, I'm not saying I, I, I think Morocco are going to win, but I think this is going to be a, a very, very close run thing. I don't think the French are as good as 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 they are on paper. I, I think Ravio missing in the middle today is a, is a big, big miss for them. But I think it could come down to Mbappe against Hakimi. The Mbappe, obviously, you know, an absolute speed merchant. Hakimi, he's PSG club mate, so I think that'll be a that's a key battle and we've seen how well Kyle Walker for England did against Mbappe if you can keep Mbappe quiet you go a long way to keeping to keeping France quiet but uh, Griezmann has been excellent in this tournament for the, for the French Giroud loves popping up with a goal and although he's not he's, he's probably not the nicest on the eye he just gets it done he, he, you know his stats speak for himself and Dembele is a big big uh, big speed merchant as well on the other wing so there's, there's danger all over the wing but with Varane and uh, Kanate the two centre-halves I, I do think there's a, there's a little ricket in there and I think if Morocco can put them under enough pressure they will get some change out of them so I'd love Morocco to get the first goal and just see where we go from there I think it'll be hugely entertaining after that Yeah, as we said it has been one of the great World Cup stories let's uh, take a listen back on how Morocco got to the semi-final stage <laughs> together 
and Mega Africa, the land of hope. Conan, obviously a lot has been made about the uh, impact of uh, Kylian Mbappe at this tournament, clearly one of the uh, standout players of this World Cup, and tonight he's up against his best friend. I mean, it does, what sort of a dynamic does that bring to it? Because obviously once you go in the field you forget about all that, but they seem to be very close, obviously teammates at PSG, and they seem to have a, a really good relationship. Yeah, it's a great relationship. It's great. It's imagine play, playing your best friend in a World Cup semi final. It's something that you, you'd never expect to happen. But and even when Morocco got to the semi final stage, I think Hakimi sent a, a, a tweet to Mbappe saying, "Looking forward to seeing you again." Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a nice moment for the two of them. But once that ninety minutes starts, they're going they're going to be the best of enemies, not the best of friends. Tonight as well, I think it's uh, expected that, you know, once again, France will have a lot of possession, but Morocco seem to be quite comfortable in, in giving the opposition possession, don't they? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's the game plan with them. They'll drop, you know, it, it's not quite a low block, but it's low-ish. I think they'll they might go a little bit deeper tonight just to negate the the speed of Mbappe a bit. I'm really looking forward to seeing Hakimi against Mbappe. I know they're the best of friends, but Hakimi for me, he doesn't have the pace of Mbappe. No, no, nobody has the pace of an Mbappe, but he hasn't got the pace to even stay in a race with Mbappe. So how he positions his body, where he sends him to Hakimi, is going to be huge. He needs to send him into bodies, not not down the channel and look I, I think Morocco have been excellent I've really enjoyed watching them they, they beat Spain they beat Portugal so I think everybody loves an underdog and they for, they are an, an excellent team but there's some real real starters in there I love Bufal on the wing I love Ziyech Amrabat the centre midfielder the holding centre midfielder has been excellent this tournament for me and Nazir he's good for a goal if you can get some quality into the box and look at the defensive stats speak for themselves the defence have been excellent but like I say they're, they're not restricted to just a defensive team Bufal and Ziyech will get them up the pitch really really quickly and they can hurt people on the counter attack so they'll be happy to let France have the ball they're prepared to suffer our possession they'll do all the running in the world and believe me if they get the chance they will spring up the pitch and, and try and land a few punches We mentioned the Argentina manager earlier obviously the Morocco manager has done a, a phenomenal job at this tournament uh, Walid Regragui French born he also won the African Champions League with uh, Wida Casablanca this year so in terms of uh, CV I mean he is absolutely uh, you know put himself right in the shop window hasn't he in terms of a, a, a move to the Premier League or France or whatever I mean whatever happens now Absolutely yeah and like when he got the job after from, from Halal Hadzic who got Morocco to the uh, World Cup he was the critics weren't too pleased they actually nicknamed him Avocado Head when he got the job they weren't too impressed he played all his career in France obviously um, but what interested me the most is that only a couple of months ago he well, he attended a seminar led by Mikel Arteta um, on Arsenal's FA Cup semi-final uh, win over Manchester City. So it just goes to show that his attitude to learn is so strong, and there's no arrogance attending that seminar where other managers would be like, "No, I don't want, I don't need to listen to other managers of my pedigree. I'm, I'm very, I'm very capable of doing it myself." He was, he opened up and saying, "Yeah, I want to go and see how Arteta faced a, faced a Manchester City side." And it's look, look who he's come, come. A, come across in this competition it's like Colonial Bingo he's playing at the moment with Morocco with the fact that they're playing Spain Portugal and now France and we can't forget that the the impact that that will have on, on Moroccans 
Okay, they've played, obviously they've beaten Spain, they've beaten Portugal and now they beat France. And France obviously, obviously had a sizable colonial presence in Africa and they only received their independence in 1955 from France. So that impact that the fans will bring to that stadium today. And there's always, there's tensions even now between the two, the two countries with um, Emmanuel Macron turning down 50% of the Moroccan visas into France at the moment. So there's that tension. He's going to be in the stadium today. How are the Moroccans going to going to see that? So it's the tension that I feel will will that I'm really looking forward to between the two sides. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely sensational, isn't it? And uh, Keith, just uh, I suppose in terms of team news, significant team news in terms of uh, size uh, starting because he was injured the last day in the the win over Portugal. Yeah, I think the I think the Moroccans were look a couple of them looked like they were on the last legs, but they look to be back to to full strength. And Sois is in there as well. And like I say, Amrabat is in there. I I love the way he's been going about his business. He, he's patrolling the midfield, and he he's very very dogged in what he does. But when he gets the ball, there's a calmness to him. He picks his passes and. When we're, just have a look today when the, when the French actually go and pre- press the Moroccans and if they're playing out from a free kick very very rarely Morocco will just go and boot it up the pitch they actually cut through you really really well so I know we're saying they're the defensive team but believe me they have a little bit of stardust in here as well I think they've been excellent they, It's I think they're, they're very heavily uh, supported over there so look I, I again I, I don't think this will be an easy one you know I I, I there's been certain games in this World Cup you think you can take your eyes off and you can get the results for granted, you know, uh, i.e. the Saudi Arabia and Argentina, and that threw up Japan, uh, Germany as well. So I just have a sneaky feeling there could be another upset here again tonight. Just finally, Conan, a word on Griezmann, who I suppose his role has changed uh, in, in recent times, but still maybe a bit of an unsung hero, but still clearly a key player in this French team hugely influential Dave no goals or no player of the match awards in 2022 compared to the three man of the match awards he received in the four goals in the in the last World Cup but he's just so clever with his floating position and that that made England have to change their shape in the first half in the quarter final game and with Pogba and Kante out Deschamps needed to fill the void of that creative midfielder that that had been that had eluded them and um, he's excelled so unselfish generous type of player every country dreams of having one and Deschamps himself loves him um, going to be his 73rd consecutive game tonight um, for France he's the top assist in the, um, assist maker in the, in the nation's history with 28 and the one thing about him is that he's a big game player Conan, many thanks and Keith uh, for coming in. As we said, uh, France and Morocco just about to kick off. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow night. We'll be uh, looking back on the uh, second World Cup semi-final. Will it be France or Morocco playing Argentina on Sunday? RTE 2FM